The Circle. Produced by Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. This is tribal sovereignty. It's our children's future. It's what our ancestors and our elders fought for. It's what we continue to fight for today so that our people may live. This is The Circle brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. I am Ray Roland, your Community Engagement Coordinator, alongside Braden Ekafee, our Communications Director. And once again, we're bringing you all the news, updates, and information from the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center. As always, we want to hear from you. So if you have any questions or topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the show, reach out to us on our social media. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or as always, give me an email. Uh, my email here is Roland at gptchb.org. Or give us a call Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30 at 605-721-5401. That'll be right to my desk. So leave us a message with any questions, anything like that. So we got about 12 shows down now, I believe it is. And we thought we should kind of come full circle. We thought it'd be appropriate. Given the news that uh, Rosebud Sioux Tribe has now come on board with uh, OST and the Shine River Sioux Tribe in the 638 contracting up here at Sioux Sand. So, Brand, kind of tell us what happened. What was the developments? Where are we at right now? So we just posted the press release. Um, you know, I want to congratulate the Rosebud Sioux Tribe for joining in with the Oglala and Shine River Sioux Tribe to 638, the facilities, healthcare facilities here in Rapid City, South Dakota, serving eligible IHS members living in Pennington County. But, you know, the, two, the project was initially initiated by, initially initiated, I don't know if you can say it back to back, but was initiated by Rosebud um, in the early 2010s. You know, it was their idea to come forward and, you know, unite the three tribes up here under a 638 contract, eventually hoping to move into a 638 compact to take control of health care for tribal citizens living in Rapid City. And so far for the last two years, you've seen the Oyate Health Center grow and improve, improve care, expand services. But just prior to the assumption, um, Rosebud made a decision to pull out. And so they've sat back for the last two years and watched things develop. Um, they've, they've kept their, their shares of the service unit under the control of the Indian Health Service. And so, you know, as a result, you know, we have the first and third floor of Oyate, the second floor is um, the Indian Health Service. But now that Rosebud has decided to um, realign with Cheyenne River and with the Oglala, um, you know, they got a pretty powerful group of tribal nations there moving forward. But what that means is the Indian Health Service, the federal government, is going to have to take a step back as three tribal nations partnering or you know reaching out to the health board to manage the rhapsody service unit going to move forward to create a system of care that's not federally controlled not you know dictated by what um, someone in area office or you know someone in dc says this is how you tribes have to do it no i'm moving forward three tribes have the authority to make decisions and improve health care for their people and that's where we're at. You know, it's a momentous yeah. day. You know, how many times do you see three tribes come together on one issue? And, you know, what was neat, you know, they had a joint HHS committee meeting between the HHS people from all three tribes. And when they came together and Rosebud, you know, 
President Herman mentioned to Oglala, you know, there was some movement towards rejoining the contract. You could see how excited all three tribes were at the same time because we, as tribal nations, as three tribal nations living near each other, you know, sharing a lot of relatives, a lot of shared history, you know, a certain relationship that predates, you know, our contact with, you know, America or modern America or whatever. But seeing that come together and hearing, you know, tribal leaders talk about, oh, if we can do healthcare together, we can do land issues together. If we can do land issues together, we can go to DC together. And seeing that unity between three tribal nations saying, we're gonna do something right for our people, we're gonna step outside the box, we're gonna move forward, we're gonna exert our sovereignty to take control of the resources that are meant for our people is an exciting thing. Because I've never seen it before in my lifetime, you know, maybe with maybe with Dapple, you know, you yeah. know, there was some movement on that, but you know, that might've been part of the process to show what we can do together as, as tribal nations. It was definitely a start. And in, in, with our 12 shows down, we did kind of speak on what 638 is, the, the potential for it. So let's, let's kind of go full circle and, and give us a refresher of what is 638. Kind of break it down for us in the most simplest form. In the simplest form, what a 638 contract allows you to do is to step over IHS or step over that federal system directly to the federal government in DC who allocates resources and say, we don't want IHS using up all our resources on staffing, on buildings, and managing it and telling us how we need to direct our treaty guaranteed resources is essentially what, what that means. And saying, no, we want that resources. We want those resources because we want to decide what we want to do with it. That's the major difference between the old school, you know, stick with IHS, let the federal government manage your health care, and this movement towards 638. That's the only difference. If we stick with IHS, funding comes from D.C., it hits that big giant bureaucracy, that big institution that is Indian Health Service. It goes to staffing, it goes to building, it goes to whatever they decide how it needs to be spent. And tribes and individual tribal members don't really have a say in that. When you go under a 638 contract, tribal nations have the opportunity to ask IHS or to demand IHS as an act of tribal sovereignty to say, hey, you're not managing our care very well, you're not managing our resources very well, we have no say in hiring, we have no say in anything, and push, push them aside, say, okay, well, we don't want that no more. We want the resources to come straight from DC, straight to the tribes, because we feel like we have the people who can make better decisions, manage it better, and create opportunities for our people. That's the major difference. The only difference is that IHS doesn't get to hold your resources and dictate how they are distributed. Now, with IHS out of the way, comes directly to the tribes and from there is where the differences start to occur you know for when you look at Doyate Health Center they made 10 million dollars last year 10 million dollars in revenue where it was all invested back into the system they purchased a whole entire separate behavior health center um, from Pennington County they bought that they went and took more money that was made from revenue took that employee or, or what they had for behavioral health providers that was three under IHS and said, no, that three isn't enough. We need money to hire more. And so that revenue that was generated was put directly into behavior health. And now they have 17 providers. 
So under IHS, you know, for all these years, we don't have space, we don't have money, we can't bring on more behavioral health. Whatever the community says, we just can't do it. We don't have the funding. But in two years at the Oyate Health Center, we said, okay, we'll generate the money. And they generated $10 million in revenue that has gone to creating this extensive behavioral health clinic with all these, you know, culturally appropriate providers, counselors, case managers, real deal behavior health that was created under the 638 contract that Indian Health Service had said for decades that they couldn't expand because they didn't have the funding or the space. So that's one small example. When you think about that 10 million in revenue that came in, right? Mm -hmm. And how all 100% of this profit is being directed back into care at the Oyate Health Center. You know, they bought a mobile clinic, they hired patient drivers, they expanded their PRC staff, they hired vendors to help process referrals quicker. All these things have been done under 638, and they're all things that the Indian Health Service and the federal government has promised that they'd be able to do for decades, for generations. And we're gonna prove your, hair, your, your care, we're gonna expand this, we're gonna get you more doctors, we're gonna get you the best doctors. Well. Oglala and Cheyenne River said, you know what, we've been waiting for decades for you to do this, you haven't done it. We're gonna 638 this, move forward and say, look, we can do it better. And we trust the health board to be able to do that. And in two years, that is what's happened. That's what's been proven. Had this been under Indian Health Service and had this been under the federal government and that facility generated those $10 million, there's absolutely no guarantee that that $10 million would go directly back into our patient care. So say they had a service unit somewhere on the east side of the state that wasn't making any money, that was in the red. The feds have done this multiple times to service units throughout South Dakota. They said, oh, you have revenue, you have surplus? Let me get that money because I got to fix my debt over here. That isn't happening no more because tribes said, we don't want that. We don't want mismanagement of our funds. We want our revenue to stay in our community. We want to hire on people. We want to invest and expand these healthcare options for our people. And that's what's happened. You know, you get into this debate of, you know, does 638, you know, affect your treaty rights? And absolutely not. It does not affect your treaty rights. That was going to be my next question. So yeah, it does so not undermine or ignore our treaty rights. If anything, you get more of the resources that were intended for your people under 638 than you do by having IHS there. Money is allocated for tribal nations, for tribal citizens by Congress as part of the trust responsibility and as part of treaty responsibilities. Under the old system that you know many places are operating under now, those resources are then directed towards a federal institution like Indian Health Service. From there, Indian Health Service sits back, they think on it, what they wanna do with it, where are they gonna go? They make those choices. Under 638, the people make it. You know, you know, whether that be tribal leaders or, you know, your people who are working here at the health board. But that's kind of the, the major theme. But the resources itself, you know, that are guaranteed through the trust relationship and through treaties are not being soaked up by that large bureaucracy. They're not being spent on things that don't ever trickle down to the community. Under 638, that whole chunk of promised resources of guaranteed guaranteed resources goes directly to the service team, directly to the people. And that is a profound 
difference. Because when you think about why them federal institutions are there, those were created because the federal government never thought tribes and tribal citizens had the ability or the knowledge or the know-how to manage those resources. It's a real paternalistic position that the federal government took, you know, early on in the reservation period and that just stuck for all these years. And then we have a lot of people who believe, you know, we need the feds to manage that. We need the feds to tell us what to do, you know, and what we're proving at the Oyate Health Center is that no, the, the people have the know-how. We have people who live in our community who have knowledge of how to budget, of how to spend money, of how to create revenue. And the tribes have made a decision to move forward in that direction. So, you know, we're tired of that treaty agent deciding, you know, they're gonna pick off, pick this off the top or, you know, keep whatever the good rations are for their family or for whatever their needs are. No, we said, we don't want that treaty agent there no more. We want what's owed to us because that treaty agent is using up the resources before they even reach the community. And that's the difference. That's the shift in mindset. You know, there may have been a time, you know, I don't think there was, but there may have been a time where them federal agencies had a place to where they could say, you know, you Indians are not educated enough. You Indians don't have the know-how. You Indians don't have the knowledge. We need to put this BIA, we need to put this IHS, we need to put this treaty agent here to dictate how your resources are allocated, how your resources are spent. Well, you know, we're at a time now where our people have the knowledge. We don't need that federal government treaty agent sitting there watching us, telling us what we can can't spend. No, Oyate Health Center is proving that we have the knowledge to do it. Tribal nations are realizing that they have the right to demand from the federal government that their resources reach them without it being spread out and trickled down through all their systems that were put in place because they thought we couldn't do it to begin with. And so, you know, my belief is that this is actually holding the federal government more accountable to that promise through that guarantee that we forced them to sign that treaty say, hey, we need resources to provide healthcare for our community and we want them. So that's the difference, you know, people get all caught up in the, you know, federal government, you know, we're supposed to push the federal government to provide for these services. Well, yeah, give us the resources to provide for those services and we'll do it ourselves because the systems that you put in place in our communities, they haven't worked. They're still not working. They haven't worked for decades. And we're supposed to sit back and wait and say, oh, you know, feds come save us. Feds come hold my hand while I, you know, fix my PRC process. Feds come hold my hand while I create, you know, specialty clinics because you promised me you're going to create, you know, feds promise we're going to create this diabetic clinic. We're going to create this specialty clinic. And tribes sat back for decades and watched said, okay, all right, you got your trust response. You're supposed to be doing that. Now we're at a point where, you know what, man, we know you ain't going to do that. You know, that too many people have been lost, too many people have been died, too many people lost limbs, too many people have, have been forced to stay in long hospital stays because they weren't getting proper care. And again, it's nothing about the people who work for IHS, it's the system they're forced to operate in exactly. and the ability of the tribal, of a federal government to tap resources off the top. You know, they get that big pot of money, well, I need this for this, I need this for that. Let me get this before I send it to the people. No, those days are over. You know, now the people are demanding, give me the resources that were guaranteed in that treaty. Give me the resources that are guaranteed through that trust relationship. Everything that Congress allocated for my community, I want that. You know, I don't want the feds managing it. I don't want the feds that to take whatever they want from it and then say, here, you get to keep the rest. Now give me the chunk and let me decide what to do with it. And so when you look at 638, that's what that's about. 
Yeah, it's, you know, they created such a deep system of dependency in order to keep us in line that we sort of kind of convinced ourselves that this is what we need to do in order to keep our healthcare system. But it's not. We can change through 638. And what other avenues can 638 help us, you know, reach our goals of, of self-determination and sovereignty? You know, right now for the last three, last two years, the Oyate Health Center has operated under a Title One compact, Title One health contract is what they call it, and that's kind of like the startup to where the feds are like, oh, let's give you three years to see if you can do it. You know, we know we already know how to do it, and it comes with training wheels. You know, you can you might be able to move this money here, you might be able to move that money there, but we're still going to watch over you or give you these training wheels because we don't think you can take off on your own and handle it. In July of this coming summer, June of this July summer, somewhere in the summertime, the Oyate House Center will be eligible to move over to a Title V compact. And when we move to that compact, you know, that's the opportunity for tribes to really, really begin doing things. I mean, we've done some things like we bought insurance for people. We've um, bought the mobile clinic. You know, we've, we've hired additional PRC drivers. All those additions that have been done this year have been done so kind of with them training wheels on and what the feds say you can do under federal law. But now, when we get to that Title V, then it's on. Then we can start to create revenue just like other healthcare systems do. We can move this here, we can move that there, and still, you know, prove that, that you know, we can do it better than the feds. So there's plenty of opportunity now that's been exploited at Oyate Health Center, and that's, per, that's demonstrated in that we have 23,000 patients that use it, over 100,000 individual patient visits, you know, over the last 13 months or so, $10 million in revenue. So let's think about that $10 million in, in revenue just by itself. During a pandemic, working in the old Susan building, sharing that space with the Indian Health Service, this organization still found a way to create 10 million in revenue. Despite all those little difficulties of creating a new healthcare system, of Indian Health Service not even letting us see patient records, you know, like a nurse, you know, a nurse comes on and she has a patient that comes in on to see urgent care, it's on the weekend. She's from, you know, the patient says, hey, I lost my meds, I need a refill. And normally, you know, that wouldn't be a big deal to be able to, you know, let me look up your records, type it up and, oh, you need this to get through this day, okay, we can take care of you. Well, IHS said, you know, we're not even going to give you access to them records. We're going to make it as hard for you tribal governments to do anything. And so despite things like that, despite the pandemic, um, you know, despite the confusion of having two clinics in the same building, this was able to happen. They was able to generate 10 million, 9,500,000 9, individual patient visits, 23,000 people using the facility. All that was done despite all those limitations. Now that Rosebud's on board, you know, the sky's the limit because that space opens up on the second floor. You know, the three tribes have the ability to, the new building that's coming, and I think most of the people don't realize is that in that new building, prior to Rosebud jumping on board last week, IHS had planned to divide it all up. You know, we're gonna take this. Oh wait, it was designed to have one pharmacy or you know, or have one lab, I just like, oh, because we're still here, you know, we need two labs, we need 
yep. two pharmacies. We need half your dental chairs. Another treaty agent dividing yeah. that land is what it is. Chopping it up just like allotment. And, you know, some of the Rosebud relatives who saw that happening, you know, they even commented on it, said it looked like an allotment app, allotment map. You know, mm-hmm. said, okay, you get this section, feds get this section, tribes get this section. Now that Rosebud's on board, all that's gone. Three tribes controlling a brand new facility, being able to expand services for the people is something, you know, we haven't looked at ever. I don't know if three tribes in this area have joined together to move forward on doing this, but but back to that revenue. So you take all those limits off revenue, obviously we're going to generate more in the next few years. At the bare minimum, say, say, say there's no expansion at all, we only make $10 million a year for 10 years. It's $100 million. It's $100 million on top of what the feds have allocated through Congress for this service unit. So for all this time, you know, the feds, you know, we'll we'll allocate this money. This is all we have, you know, over out of PRC dollars. Oh, no, we can't can't create a specialty clinic. We don't have it in the budget. Now, that's done, you know. So over 10 years, you know, $100 So projected expansion, you know, if we're doubling in space, tripling in space, tripling in providers, that's going to drive that revenue up. So what's the top of that? 150 million, 160 million over 10 years that would never have reached this service unit or reached the people in Rapid City had the feds controlled it. Because for one, they weren't generating the revenue and reinvesting it. And for two, it had they done generated the revenue, they could have took it out of their wallet and said, oh, we're going to give it to this service unit over here that's in the red. That's all over now. You know, that's done with Rosebud on board. So, you know, with Rosebud coming on, having that whole new Oyate Health Center strictly under tribal control changes the future of healthcare in this community for a long time. And, you know, and that's why, you know, me and you, you like, we see the, the talk that's on <clears throat> social media, you know, the pockets of people who are mad, who say, no, we want to stay with the feds. You know, we want the feds to provide us our healthcare. And I just want to be like, you know, how has that worked out for you for the last multiple decades? We, I mean, we all know someone who's been affected in, in you know, traumatic ways, if not lost their lives because of, of things that have gone on at IHS. Um, and with, with that being said, though, too, you know, we still have lots of relatives who utilize that second floor as IHS. So what happens to those patients once we assume the second floor base? Sure. You know, so... As IHS starts to step out and um, the Oyate House Center starts to fill in there, you know, one of the main concerns was that employees were going to lose their jobs. That was a major concern that people had. But in a press release that went out today, um, Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board CEO Gerilyn Church extended the invitation to those employees on the second floor to, to join in in what we're doing. Um, during the first transition, employees were offered two-year IPAs from the Indian Health Service to be, or basically Indian Health Service still pays their salary, but they work for the Yate Health Center or they're under the health board banner. Or they're offered opportunity to come over as a direct hire to work directly under um, the Yate Health Center banner and be employees of the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. There isn't a big difference in that, you know, maybe some perks that come worth working for the health board, but you still have access to your retirement, your access to your federal health insurance, you know, which is one of the best perks of working at the health board is that we have very good health insurance and 
So no, no one's losing their job. There's not no. mass firings as in, no, you know. No one's being riffed. No one's being told to kick rocks. No one's being forced into retirement. Because really, you know, those are our relatives too. You know, and, and we've wanted them people from the beginning to be on the same page with us. We've always wanted that, you know, Oglala, Cheyenne River wanted to see this come together from the start. And Rosebud stepped out then at that time, and they had an opportunity to see how it would work, you know, with that division or with two clinics working there. And it's been hard. You know, you know how it is in our communications office, just dealing with the daily confusion of, you know, I go to the first floor, I go to the second floor. And over the last couple of years, you know, we've been able to sort that out and improve processes at the Oyate Health Center that still need plenty of work. You know, you look at these transition periods are usually looked at over 10 years, and Oyate Health Center has only been operating for two years. So improving those systems is ultimately the goal, but being able to correct that prior to, you know, you know, assumption or during this, this, these few months where the assumption is going to take place is going to be a priority of not only our department, but of leadership at the Oyate Health Center and at the health board. And so all, all comes down in, in my mind, and again, I'm judging off of what happened two, three years ago. Um, and, and back then, you know, people had their assumptions and opinions. So what would the transition kind of be like? And I guess you kind of answered that, but what, what would you say to those people who are still fearful of having a, that happen again? You know, one of the things that's going to help is just moving into that new building to where there's only going to be one healthcare provider there, one healthcare system, the Oyate Health Center, backed by the Rosebud, Cheyenne River, Oglala Sioux tribes. No division like there was in this old Susan building to where, you know, we have providers from IHS. Well, you could go to Oyate Health Center, but they can't see your health records because IHS blocked it. Or, you know, or my doctor left, you know, my doctor went here, went there. Now that's all over. The opportunity to improve things and move together in unity as a people, you know, because the community wants better health care. Oyate House Center wants some better health care. The tribes want better health care. It's just work. How do we find ways to work together to move towards that shared goal with as little confusion, you know, as little stress? as possible because now that all the tribes on board, you know, something special is going to take place up there. Yeah, we are, we are better and stronger together than we are apart. Um, now kind of going back to the, the health board side, you know, there's, there's a lot of assumptions of our power here. You know, they think that we are the, this powerful overlords of, of this healthcare system kind of tell us what is the structure of the, the board? How does it work? Where does the board of directors come in? Where does that power structure lie? So when you look at the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, it's been around for, you know, multiple decades, been around for a long time. The health board itself is overseen by a board of directors. That board of directors is made up of tribal presidents, are their proxies from 17 different tribal tribal nations and one service unit trenton service unit is included on that and so oh, south dakota iowa nebraska north dakota tribes all have a seat at the table with their elected tribal leader that board of directors oversees the entire process it oversees the health board itself the yate house center is a wing 
of the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. The Oyate Health Center is overseen by a governing board. That governing board includes subject matter experts like doctors, um, you know, budget analysts, things of that nature, community members from our community, and elected tribal leaders. So, you know, that governing body oversees, you know, what direction the Oyate Health Center is going to go, and it has a seat for community and, and um, tribal leaders and subject matter experts. In addition to that, there's another advisory committee that consists of more community members, more tribal leaders, and health board staff, and that's the Mini Luzaha we chose on the advisory committee. They work together alongside the, to provide advice and provide guidance for the Oyate Health Center. But, you know, we provide a report on this show once a month, every week, every once a month, the Mini Luzaha we chose on the advisory committee meets. And there, you know, there's an update on budgets, there's update on hirings, HR updates, um, updates on complaints that maybe come into the facility. And our radio show, the one you're listening to right now, that airs on Tuesdays and Fridays, Tuesdays at 5 and Fridays at noon, once a month we go through that report. So, you know, if there's ever any questions from the community about it or how it works or some of the numbers that are generated in that document, you can always reach out to me and Ray, you know, especially people from Pioneer. You guys all know us, you know, we're on first name basis with, you know, most of the people in Pine Ridge because, you know, that's where we're from, Pine Ridge, you know, yeah. repping Pine Ridge to the fullest two Thorpes sitting here. Oh, yeah. But even though you call me a diet Thorpe or whatever you call me, but <laughs> I, still, I still got that Pine Ridge High you're, School. You're, you're Thorpe. My diploma comes from there, so... You know, one semester really changed my life for the better. So I'm a Thorpe. <laughs> All right. Well, big things are happening, especially, you know, for our people, for the, the people of the Rosewood Sioux Tribe, the uh, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, and, and the Oglala Sioux Tribe. So, um, again, we want to hear from you. You've been listening to The Circle. We are, again, here twice a week, uh, once on Tuesdays at uh, 11 and on Fridays at noon. I finally got it right about that. So, Fridays at noon. If you guys have any questions or if there's topics or things that you want to hear discussed on the show, again, please reach out to us anytime, um, either through social media or giving us a call. Our phone number here, you, which you, you can reach us Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30 is 605-721-5401. So for the Great Plains Tribal Leader South Board and the Oyate Health Center, we thank you for joining us. And uh, we will be here again next week right here on Keeley Radio.